Keon and I both really appreciate this book study. Um, it's been awesome to hear y'all's unique perspective on it, as well as get some engaging dialogue and discussion in the industry go around it. Um, I wrapped up collabo session number six this morning on my drive over to to Dallas to meet with Keon. I'm actually in Keon's office this morning. Ah. These little recording booths. So we probably need some further discussion on uh, on CPM versus last <laughs> fighter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French, and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things, but we also build in waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately. All online, Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S. Well, we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at trycanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry and transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Keon, Zandi, and Joe Donarubo. Morning, Felipe. Morning, Jesse. Good morning. What's going on, guys? And we've got two very special guests with us. Keon and Joe, authors of one of our most favorite lean 
nonfiction and fiction books. It does both. The Lean Builder. <laughs> you got your book, Jesse? Where's your book at? Oh, oh let's see that book. There they go. Watch out. Yeah. Got it. And, got a dust. You know, I had to wipe some dust off, but it's And it's you here. will notice that in my book, Joe and Keon, there's first page is blank waiting for your autograph. So I will start to travel with this book every time I come to Texas for the odd chance that I might be able to get you to put a signature on it. Ooh, baby. We're all from the construction industry, and there's a certain stigma that, that we have from, let's say, folks that aren't in our industry, and maybe expectations are a little lower of folks that are in construction than in other professions. And so my, I've been wondering, like, you guys going out on a limb to write a damn book about lean stuff is a pretty courageous step because it's the first one. I mean... There's other lean construction books, but this is really about the application and the, a lot of the human side of, of applying the last planner system. What kind of nerves, what kind of anxiety or, or uh, insecurities did y'all have as you were working through this? Oh, man. This is going to take like 20 minutes to answer that question. So. And before you answer that question, I would love if each of you would... Say a little bit about yourself. I'll get started. So I'm Joe Donnarumo. I'm one of the co-authors of the Lean Builder book, which Jesse and Felipe have been doing these collabo sessions on. Um, my my day job, I'm a senior superintendent for a construction firm called Lindbeck. Um, I work out of Fort Worth, Texas, and I primarily focus on healthcare construction. I also head up our lean um, application within our company internally. So I'm Keon Zandi. I'm COO of Skiles Group. Uh, Skiles Group is a general contractor based in Dallas, Texas. We primarily focus on healthcare construction, but we do work in about 13 different states. And uh, proud to uh, known Joe for, geez, Joe, how long has it been? Over 10 years now? I came into the industry early 2000s, started implementing Last Planner System in around 2004. And so I've been around it for a while and uh, try to make it work so many ways and gain so much value over the years. But it was probably 2011 that I took the paper version of the last planner, which it used to be all, you know, two week and six week and paper that we would pass around and kind of just blew it up, made it visual. And uh, that was really where the light bulb came off uh, for me and a lot of the other superintendents I was working with at the time, we started transitioning from that weekly subcontractor meeting to a daily huddle meeting. You know, the journey with the Lean Builder for me has um, been just years and years and years of, of getting it wrong or having, you know, on our blog, I joke, there's a, a blog me and Joe wrote was like, if your last pull plan sucked, like, you know, here's some tips. And it's because of out of the 400 pull plans I've ever done, probably 250 of them suck, you know, <laughs> that's what's so beautiful yeah. about all yeah. this is it's just this journey. And so, you know, uh, for us, uh, to link up and, and to put this book together and we poured everything we had into it from all those years, just in a, in an effort to try to help people. So it's been pretty humbling. I'm going to kind of dive into Jesse's question because this is going to take a little bit to answer. So I think we kind of got to set the context of, really what was in our hearts and in our guts for Keon and I uh, that actually got to the point of, you know, why did we want to write a book? And then kind of our emotions and feelings and insecurities around it as we started to, you know, get closer and closer 
to rolling it out and starting sampling amongst our peers. But, you know, with Keon and I's journey together, starting at Lindbeck and then um, uh, Keon had a transition and, and made a move to Skiles Group, we were still finding ourselves traveling, going to LCI Congress, going to events, local COP uh, events in DFW, and trying to find like that right resource that we could, I mean, honestly, selfishly use even internally with our folks who are hungry, who are thirsty, who wanted more, you know, how to help give them like some type of a roadmap or like some you know, practical steps of how to either improve on their lean journey or even, you know, begin one, like the right step. And we were struggling because there was still, there was so many good documents, publications, you know, around lean in the tools and the methodologies. But the problem that we were seeing in the disconnect was that they were all education-based. They were theoretical. They were white papers, which they all have their place. But the, the target audience, like the demographic that we needed to deliver the information to were the men and women putting that shit in place. And Joe, sorry to pause you. You said that so eloquent, like, <laughs> I, I got tired of like finally convincing a superintendent or a peer to try implementing lean in the field. And they said, Hey, well, well how do I do it? And then I hand them the Toyota way that, that, I mean, that's they're like, this is all Japanese terms. Like, how am I going to use this? And I'm like, eh. and, and that's, I think where so many people struggle not to catch you up to, cause I want you to keep going down this path, but some of the bigger issues that we were seeing was like, I got frustrated with in the current state, you couldn't scale this. I'm trying to say, you know, and, and what me and Joe talked about is like, if you're working for a company that only does 30 million in revenue a year, like there's gotta be some type of system that they could pick up a book, understand how it works and go without any additional resources that matter the level of skill set of that super from being high tech to low tech, old school, new school, like to just get it. It didn't exist. And it was, that was, that was hard. Yeah. That was frustrating. Sorry, Joe, keep going, man. That was the gap, right? Like that was the, 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 the missing link that we needed to bridge. And what's interesting is like, I feel like we both kind of felt that in our gut for, um, probably about three years, like leading up to the point where we actually began to write the book because we were going to, you know, an LCI Congress and we were constantly like kind of searching around looking for the right presentation or the right uh, maybe champion or coach or someone who was like putting this together or assembling some type of a package like that, that we could deliver for, you know, our, our own needs, you know, with our, with our own team or to share within our local COP and help those around us. And then after three years of like, feeling like we were continuing searching. Like I remember this all goes back. I think I might even talked about this story with Felipe, uh, one of the earlier podcasts. By coincidence, we happened to book like the same Southwest flight, like going out to Anaheim, California to, I think it was 2017 to the, to the right. Congress in Anaheim. And, you know, I see each other and, oh, we'll grab a seat and we're sitting there talking and we're talking about this exact subject right here. Like, man, maybe this is the conference. Maybe this is the year we're going to find something and it was on that flight where we're sitting there talking like, well, why, why are we waiting? Mm. Like, we know the need, we know the demand, we know the audience, let's just do it. This is like right off the top of the head and we're looking around and, you know, I, I did the pamphlet. I think I've told you about the pamphlet. Like we pull up the 747 like safety pamphlet. And we're like, oh yeah, hell. Okay, we'll just like step one, daily huddle, step two, visual <laughs> communication, step three, constraints, step four. And like, we'll just put it in like this pamphlet and they'll tuck it in their safety vest and we'll give them a play by play of how to start. And that's really where 
the idea and the premise and where this the, the whole thing really really came together. I had I had read some books. You know, obviously the goal has been a, a great book that I that I've just always had in my my uh, collection. And then there's this book called Everything I Learned About Lean Manufacturing. I learned from Joe's Garage. But when I read Lencioni's book, and I think Joe read it at the same time, he called me. He's like man, we should do a book and write it like this. And, I, you know, at first I was like, man, I don't want to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's work, like, man. Come on, man. But uh, just thinking through it, us talking about it, trying to map it out. And, you know, we figured if we were going to do it, that was going to be the way to do it. It was just important to us. And I don't want to turn anybody off to what I'm about to say, but there's something um, I feel, I, I felt that there's some, consultants, coaches, not all, there's so many great ones. So don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying, but that have actually turned more teams off to lean Ten, four. Um, either coming from just not a place of understanding of what we do and, and never put on a pair of work boots, never been on a job site. And it was important to us that if we did this, like the builder's voice would be represented. It's very clear who this book's written for. I mean, this is for boots yes. on the ground or anybody on the project site could pick up the book and like immediately like be, begin to get some value on their projects just by slowly putting this stuff into place. And then after the book came yep. out, very humbling, a lot of great feedback, but then people were like, man, it would have been awesome if there were some illustrations or some pictures or some things. And so that's kind of how the website and the blog came about. And so I was like, all right, you want to see like, what it looks like, more detail. And so we've spent a lot of time just, just trying to break these concepts down further. That way, you know, somebody learns about this, they do a Google search, something comes up written by builders, and it's just something that they can uh, relate to. Sounds like y'all came out of the gate just with 100% confidence and clear vision, no, no misgivings or second thoughts about embarking on that journey yeah i think joe and i may suffer from something called uh overconfidence um, okay <laughs> tell us more keon well it's funny, yeah. I, I should, funny that i'm telling the story but tell the story are you talking about when you and terry were on vacation yeah yeah so me and my wife we took the kids to spring break you know for uh, the yeah. beach and i just watched this uh steve harvey clip and I don't know if you guys know Steve Harvey and, you know, but he, you oh, yeah. know, he does a family feud stuff, but, you know, I think he preaches too. And so sometimes he goes, he's got these clips, he's preaching in the audience and, you know, he's telling everybody like, you know, you got to know, everybody's got a gift. You got to know what your gift is. And then you got to jump because if you don't jump, you'll never mm. fulfill your gift. And so we had, we had the kids to bed. We've had a couple cocktails and me and my wife, you know, my wife's a professional too. She's an executive at her firm and we're talking about, you know, what our gifts are and have you, have we jumped or, you know, have you taken risks in your career? And she asked, she asked me point blank. She said, let me ask you something. She's like, you and Joe are writing this book that they're going to hand out at the lean Congress and at the AGC <laughs> convention in front of all your peers and people that are experts in this and all these things. Right. And uh, she said, has it ever crossed your mind once? Like, what if it sucks? Like, are you, <laughs> yes, are you not, yes. are you not like extremely worried or have anxiety around that? And like, I swear to God, like that was the first time it ever crossed my mind. <laughs> and so we, we determined that my gift was that I was just uh, overconfident. 
But, yeah, yeah. And when I, I shared it. that with Joe, like I could just tell, like that look on Joe's face. He's like, "Oh yeah, I guess that could be. I, I could be something." Never even thought about it from like the quality. Like I was then, I, it was kind of playing with my mind. I was like, "Oh crap, this is really gonna happen." Like we're we're about to give LCI twenty five hundred books. It's like, what if it does something? Like it never even came across our mind, and not from like a, a, a standpoint of 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 not being you know, humble or having humility around. It's just like, it just never, it never penetrated or permeated into our brain because this was all literally what was in our heart for like the last 10 years around the pain and the frustration and the lessons learned. And it was literally just like verbal vomit as we're writing this because it was all just right from here, like like right down onto the paper. And we never even gave it a second thought of, well, is this even... Is this even good or not? Because we were just telling our heart story and, and, and the journey that we've been on and trying to help others relative to their own journey. And I'll just say, like, people ask ask us a lot, like, well, how long did it take to write the book? Well, it took me my whole career to write the book, you know? I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. you know, it's like, oh, it's nice to get some mailbox money or selling. It's like, yeah, but, like, to get to that level of expertise, you like, you know how many years of, like, sucking at this and, like, trying this and trying to get it to work and learning from so many different mentors and people in the industry and just constantly being a student to get from me and Joe to get kind of get to that level of expertise to just, we're so proud to have something uh, that we've been able to actually contribute back. Cause I feel like what's so awesome about our community uh, of us lean enthusiasts is like, we share so much. And so for so many years, like I felt like I was just taking, you know, it was like, I'm just taking, I'm taking, I'm learning from, you know, different people and different experiences, taking, taking. And then finally you get to a level to where it's like, man, now I want to give back. Like I've, I've learned so much. Like now I, how do I give back? And so it's been fun to no. get into that mode and really start sharing and to have this and like to have people tell them it's helped them and that kind of thing. I mean, that's just, it's pretty cool. You guys have had an amazing experience. And I love that you came from your heart and it started with massive frustration. I've actually read this book more than one time. That's how much I like this book. Yeah. How about I mean, you, Jesse? How many times you've been through it? You know, I've been through it, I guess, with uh, with you and I in the collabo session. That probably puts me at about six wow. times. When I was reading it the first time, I'm like, I was like, yeah, let me check. You know, Joe's cool. Keon, like, they're smart. Maybe it's good. And as I was reading, I'm like, holy hell, like, this is going to be a resource for a lot of damn people that are struggling, like, you know, I was with Turner at the time, and, and the way some of us approached Last Planner System made it harder than it needed yeah. to be. And so I'm reading yeah. this. I'm like, shit, man. Like, yes, this is exactly right. I mean, for me, I'm like, it was took me back to when I was running Last Planner System or when we were running Last Planner System as a trade partner without the GC. Like, yeah, we were able to do it. We didn't get all caught up on all the bullshit. Like we were just able to make work, achieve some level of flow. Right after that, we had teams in all over the central United States. They were like, hey, Jess, we want to do a a study action team around the lean builder. Or we want to start a study action team. What book do you recommend? And I'm like, well, shit, you got to do the lean builder. And then like, well, would you mind being a part of the team? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, let's do it. You know, because... I did have to do some reconciliation between what was presented in the book and what was um, 
of what the standard yeah. was per as per Turner. And yeah. so just try to help. Yeah, you. the Turner way. You got it. You got to carry the flag. Whatever yeah, organization yeah. I yeah. work with, I'm going to carry the flag. Uh, but it was just kind of like, look, start yeah. here. But this is where we want to yeah. get to. But this is the best place yeah. to start. So there was no doubt that that it was going to be a resource. And I mean, everywhere I go now, I'm with Lifetime with the construction department and they don't know. But it's coming, yeah. baby. They're going to be buying some <laughs> some lead builder books. Yeah. And for the L&M family out there listening, the you know, the young tradesman, the young uh, engineer that's just getting out of university and, and kicking off their career. Like you guys are a phenomenal example of what can be accomplished by identifying a problem and taking action upon it. It may have taken 10 years, but that's where we're all at. Right. Everybody's got an idea. It's inspiring, man. It, it, it's freaking amazing. Thank oh, you. Man. Appreciate that, Jesse. Yeah, it means a lot. The Keon and I actually had our our launch party like the Tuesday night there downtown Fort Worth, the the week of Congress, and still probably one of the the best highlights of my career being able to share that with Keon and Terry and my wife Tasha, and, and just the the journey over the past two years riding it and finally kind of coming to a culmination and in, in, in launching it there at that congress was something I'll, I'll never forget yeah you guys took some beautiful pictures so for those of you listening you have to go to the leanbuilder.com and look at those glorious photographs that keon and joe have <laughs> every every time i look online and i see the pictures that you guys took especially the ones at the bookstore they are incredible. Yeah. You know, that's actually a bar. Oh, that was a bar? Where we were at. <laughs> that's called the library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you wouldn't find us in a bookstore, but you yeah. will find okay. us in a bar. So where, where is this library bar? It's downtown Fort Worth. Yeah, it's like a, there's a little speakeasy, and you go in upstairs, and it looks like a library, and then there's a little speakeasy, uh, kind of like a little bourbon bar under. As we start talking about how we wrote these chapters and this and that, there's one chapter in particular where there was a lot of bourbon involved in, in the writing. <laughs> I got to make sure I yes. share that before we leave. Yeah. Go ahead. Start sharing it. Yeah. We're getting close to the end of the book, and Joe and I are uh, headed to AGC National Convention in Denver. Anyway, we got there early, and uh, there's that Union Station in Denver, and there was just this nice little... Uh, bar and Union Station, we start writing uh, the PPC chapter, which is one of my favorite chapters of the book. We really wanted for like some type of story where people understand how Alan even got to where he was implementing this in the first place. And I wanted to, I was talking to Joe, I was like, we got to find some type of parable or something that people would know to tie back into this. And so, you know, obviously you know, sharpening your ax or sharpening your saw is a thing. And there's, there's things around that. And so the whole thing with him and his dad and, and we're sitting there, we're typing and ordering and typing and ordering. And, you know, my uh, director of marketing who edited our book and is really uh, in a lot of ways, the third author of the book, she's just such an unbelievable writer and storyteller. And so me and Joe would just write and write and write and we'd send it to her and she'd craft and clean up and storytell and, and, uh, and she called me and it's like, she's like, this chapter seven, like, we got to talk. She's like, you guys wrote this chapter? And I was 
thinking to myself, like, oh, geez, Joe, like, we probably hit too hard. Like, yeah, yeah, this probably. Like, and she was like, man, this is like the best chapter in the book. And so we're like, yeah, no. we should have done the whole book like that. What have we been doing, you know? So, yeah. Um, but there's like a lot of, I mean, yeah. to me, the biggest thing that I remember that not a lot of people care about because the book was is to teach people lean, but just the journey of writing it with Joe and just some of the, this is like both of us, just our journey combined of like what it's been like in this industry and then to put it out yeah. and like to get feedback that like, this is my exact same journey. Unbelievable that in some ways, like we're still all living the same bad dream. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yes. I, there's a, yeah. I remember a, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris, who was with Turner, he said like, man, he's like, this, this thing gave me PTSD. You know, it's like, it's going back. It's like just all the stuff along the way. And we, and in our industry, that's what it is. We've just gotten so numb to the waste and the dysfunction and the long hours that like, we can't even, you know, we can't even, it's hard to even elevate. We've just accepted yep. it for what it is. And, and that's, and I, I just, I can't applaud you guys enough. Like I couldn't believe how, how well you read into that, you know, just like just in the early chapters, like how, you know, you couldn't have Alan just telling Sam what to do. Like he had to fail through it. You know what I mean? You couldn't have yeah. Sam, like, like he had to show his true colors at some point with the two schedules and the way he treated the architect, yeah. this and that, because Prior to knowing anything about this, that's the way we're seasoned and conditioned coming into this industry. Yeah. And so it, it had to play out the way it did. I stand behind every, every way we did it. And I remember early on, like some of the people, again, like when I call it builders lean, like I think some folks may have had some problems with like, like, like you guys said, like we don't talk about last planner system till more than halfway through the end of the book. And that's intentional. Yep. Like, you know, you find for me some company that does not do daily huddles, that does a weekly hour and a half subcontractor meeting once a week, that has no culture of respecting trades. The trades have a culture of, hey, your project's a race. It's not a team sport. They've never been empowered to talk. All those kind of things that you guys hit on. Yeah, go go, go try to do a pool plan session. Go try to teach last planner <laughs> to that group. I, I love to see it, you know what I mean? And so like for us, it's yeah. like, and even when me and Joe do a workshop or try to teach this, like the whole first half, like we don't daily huddle, constraint boards, how to run an effective huddle, how to implement visual communication. Visual communication. And, and you know what? Like if you could do that for a year, you'd be better off than where you are now. You know, and then yeah. when people actually start to see the value, they start to get curious. Now start implementing a little bit less planner. And even just to go a little deeper like it's just through the implementation of those simple tools that you even build the foundational culture on that job site that you have to have in the freaking first place of trust accountability and mutual respect to even go do last planner system do a daily huddle be consistent leverage visual communications have the right discussions around the workflow and make your constraints discussed and visual at the daily huddle to bring in team accountability like if you do that across all your projects and scale that across your enterprise, you're light years ahead of where you were. If you're working for a large progressive general contractor, like, yeah, you know, in that type of environment, there is a lot, you know, those firms are more adept and the people are more seasoned to go that route. There's 10,000 general contractors in our country. 
like forget about the bit of us that are involved in LCI and forget about the majority that only do 50 million, you know, like 50 million or more a year. Like if we're really trying to make this the standard in our industry, like there's like, that's where I like to focus. There's so many other people focusing on, hey, let's do a simulation game with the team and let's do all, hey, that's great. I'm looking for <laughs> that superintendent that is working 80 hours a week in some market where there's no community of practice, where, I mean, this is just trying to figure out a better way to do it. And like that, that's what we're about. Like, like that's where we want to focus. And that's why we spend so yep. much time talking about just even building the right culture. And that's why I was really laughing so hard at the podcast where like, Jesse, you're like, you don't even, you don't even know my name, fool. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for so many years, I mean, I would get so frustrated when I was in the field and like a fire sprinkler foreman and a ductwork foreman would come to me and be complaining about each other, but looking at me. And I'm like, are you talking about Dan who's standing right here, who you've known on this job for the last six months? But then over time, it's like, well, no, you know what? He hasn't actually got to know Dan because right. Dan doesn't talk in the meeting because we only have one meeting a week. And in that meeting, we don't ask Dan to talk. And so it's like that. We, we could have done the whole book on that. Yeah, and then the definitely. second book could have just been about yeah. Last Planner. And so I think that's kind of the mindset of like, I think for the folks that or in the bigger firms that have internal processes, this and that, which I know the books help and I'm, and I'm we're, we're humble for that. But like, we're hoping to like change the industry with the kind of conversations you guys had in, in the earlier podcasts around those early chapters, because that's just the stigma in our industry. That's the conditioning in our industry. And that's got to fix. Otherwise, none of this other stuff's going to work. These tools won't work, just like Joe said. You're right, Keon. And Joe, you're right, too. It's 2021, and I still go to construction projects every month. And in 2021, I've been to subcontractor, because that's what they call them, meetings. I call them trade partner meetings. And it's coming from those values and culture that we have that's a little bit different. And I think all of us on the call have a little bit different approach to it. Sure. And I've watched... How often are questions asked of the trade leaders and how often are they encouraged to speak? And in a two hour meeting that I was at in the last six months, not two sentences, it was a lecture. It was a two hour lecture. So I think that for all the people listening that have this stigma with academia, the very same people that complain about they don't like school and they don't like it to be in school you're creating a lecture environment on your job site when you don't ask for people's input. You have brilliant people working on your project. You've hired amazing, qualified companies and individuals. And when you don't ask and you think that you have to mastermind the whole thing, you're turning all those people off. And you will not be able to keep up yeah. with the complexity that is construction in this century. I'm super happy yeah. and it's real. Like, as I read this, Jesse and I were getting triggered, like your friend, Chris, yeah. Keon with PTSD. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were getting angry about things yeah. that had just happened like days ago when we were <laughs> recording these sessions over the, and I think it took us like half a year to record the book. So, and I totally agree with you, Joe, like it's gotta be starting with the simple stuff. If you're out there and you're just like, last planner is too complicated. You're right. 
It's too complicated. And if you're out there and you think last planner is so simple and everybody should do it, you're right. But those two different people have different perspectives. And I love that in how this book, you can pick up and thumb into any chapter and just start with that thing right now. When I go to a presentation or like when I'm at LCI, I can listen to somebody talk for 30, 45 minutes and have at least one to three things that I can immediately take back and implement, man, I'm happy. Like I judge all the presentations I go to by that alone. And it's so important for us too. like when we wrote the book and we were sharing this information, like we want to give you something that you can take and immediately apply on the job site right away. Like no theoretical, no uh you know you got to go invest in this technology or you got to buy all this stuff like no you can just like here's something that you can go do tomorrow you should be able to start this with zero cost and that was even the build off of what keon was saying they're like our hope was that the guys and gals would read the story but even knowing like our demographic (laughs) in the industry like let's just give them the cliff notes at the back of the book like let's just put all of the content that we were trying to deliver around the implement, implementation of the tools and methodologies, just put in the playbook and let's just fast forward. And if they want to know, okay, what are the seven things I need to know to go have an effective daily huddle? Boom, here they are. Chapter, play one in the playbook. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, got that down. Okay, what, what do I need to talk about in the daily huddle? Okay, visual communication. Here's what you need to talk about. What are you working on? Where are they working? How many guys do you got? Uh, what are your deliveries? What are your constraints? Like feed the information um, through there. And that was the, the whole premise because we wanted everything to be tangible. We wanted everything that they could read one chapter before even moving on to the next chapter. Okay, great. Now I got five things that I can go try out on my job site on Monday morning to try to get a little bit better. And that's kind of the, the filter that we put everything through in regards to the, the content and how we try to roll it out. And exactly what you're talking about. After they read a chapter, they're now equipped to go do something. What advice would you give folks that feel like they need to take the book with them and make sure they do it perfectly? Otherwise, they're failing. The the biggest thing I could even start like to start even in that conversation realm um, is probably put the book down, like (laughs) read the first chapter, find what you want to do and then start small. And it's like it's no. And that's one of the reasons why I think I was listening. I actually listened to y'all's. Uh, collabo session number six on the on the drive over this morning and y'all hit on it you nailed it in that discussion about last planner system like they try to eat the whole thing at one time and there's no wonder why last planner system leaves such a bad taste um in 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 the mouths of those who tried it and it failed and like oh that doesn't work let's let's go back to the way we were doing it you got to start small you got to get a little bit of momentum and you got to show the value add to yourself and your team before you're ready to move on to the next thing. Like if you're not proving that that system or tool is creating value, then there's there's no justification for yeah. even taking it any further. So start small, think about your audience, think about your team, bring in, ask them, ask questions and find out what's gonna make the most value for them. We like to think of this as kind of like the Betty Crocker recipe, like try, try this recipe first, like give this the first shot Hey, real quick. Construction is one of the only industries that's become less productive over the past six decades. 60% of construction job cost is labor. 80% of construction projects are over budget. 60% aren't on time. 
Struxy replaces paper time sheets and manual data entry with easy-to-use software. How much are inefficient job sites costing you? One of our customers estimates they'll save millions per year with Struxy. Read the case study at our website, Struxy.com. That's S-T-R-U-X-I dot com. Software for hard work. You can also visit us at World of Concrete in Las Vegas come January. At Scholars Group, we use lean boards. Those lean boards have a version number on them. Everybody mm. operates off version one. Then we start meeting as groups, start to see is there a better way to do things. And then if we all agree, we all update the standard and go to version two. Here's my compass to our people. If it adds value, that's lean. If somebody tells you to do something that's lean and it's not adding any value, then that's not lean. And you should stop doing it. <laughs> not trying to check boxes here. It's all about the compass of value, waste. And if it's not adding value, then you, either you're doing it wrong or you don't need to be doing it. And it's that simple. Yep. And for us, like I like to empower our people yep. like, They'll know, like the field will know. The field will know. They come to a daily huddle and the superintendent is 80% presenting and 20% facilitating, like, and they don't get to talk as much and this and that. Yeah, they'll get a little bit of value and maybe they come and, and they participate. But if the superintendent is 80% facilitating and, you know, 20% telling and now they're engaged this and that like they're going to see the value and then they'll want to come and so just that's the compass but uh, I totally agree with Joe start small and people are like well how long should I should I wait it's like who knows wait a year what are you trying to accomplish if you're trying to build your firm up to be a firm that is a true leader in implementation of lean and changing the industry and pushing the needle like every project in your entire firm should have a huddle Every project should be using visual communication. Every project should be managing constraints. You get there? Okay, now let's start with last planner system. Now let's start trying to implement full planning. You know you know how it is. A lot of people like to pick and choose, you know. They do. Everyone wants to shop off of the a la carte menu. Yeah. And oh, they don't yeah. want to trust the chef that's spent decades creating their craft and making that food just Burrito, especially burritos, just so delicious. <laughs> oh, man, you're making me hungry. <laughs> we'll have to all get some breakfast burritos soon. I think one of the things that you said, Keon, earlier, and, and Joe was reacting to it as well, is that there has been a lot of groundwork done in this area, and people forget in Lean that it didn't start in academia. It started in real companies, people solving real business problems. And from mm -hmm. my perspective, we're on the same page of what lean is. Like you just said now, if it adds value for you, that's lean. And for me, if you're learning and it changes what you do tomorrow to make you better, because I'm better by your standard, not by mine, yeah. better by your standard. To me, yeah. that's lean. A yeah. learning, adoptive, adaptive, a learning and adaptive mindset mm. is all I'm looking for in anybody that's hungry and wants to start with something. And I completely agree. We have a lot of firms that are just anti last planner system. And if they are, it's probably for a good reason because somebody came in or they saw something that was like overly complicated. Anybody can actually take something simple and make it complicated and complex. That's not a mark of genius. <laughs> and so you want to make it so that if you can't talk to people in conversation and improve how you deliver your job, 
you probably don't know enough yet. And that's okay. Start like Joe yeah. said, start exactly where you are. If you haven't if you haven't ever asked, are there things holding you up as a superintendent or as a foreman running crews? If you've never asked your crew, why can't we do this thing as planned? Yeah. That's the first place to start asking yeah. the question and then you'll build capacity from there. And then I completely agree with Jesse. If you're a trade partner and you have someone that knows how to do this, you know, use them to help you and do it, whether the GC does it or not. Yeah. I'm starting to know more. I know more trade partners now than GC companies that do pool planning when the GC doesn't. That's becoming a thing. And GCs, you know, uh, if you're listening out there, trade partners make real money, whereas we make pennies on the dollar. <laughs> oh, love it. What I did not expect would happen when we wrote the book was that superintendents across the country would send me pictures uh, via LinkedIn of their Elmo dolls on their job site. That's been a little creepy. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I get a lot of that. Yeah, I get a lot of that. Um, and so that's been fun. I think, you know, for the most part, you know, the feedback that, that I've gotten uh, around the book has been all positive, even from people that I've learned a lot from and respect that are in key positions, kind of like you, Felipe, and your firm to where I think when they first read it, they were like, uh, you know, we don't actually do it the way you describe. But then once their superintendents read it and it was like the first resource that they were like, oh, this is good. Then it was like, yeah, let's open it up. We knew we wanted to write this book. We knew we wanted to share this journey. We knew we wanted to give back. But I don't know that we put much thought into be like what it would be like afterward. It was just something that we thought we needed to do, you know. I mean, I'll be straight up. I'll be honest. Like I thought when we rolled it out, we were going to be presenting it at Congress and we were going to be, you know, uh, distributing it at AGC convention in, in March of 2020. But I mean, if I'm being completely transparent, I thought, it was pretty much going to peak at that, maybe like, you know, another thousand or two copies after that. But I, I never would have thought we would have sold 12,000 copies in, in the time that we did. I didn't think the demand or the, the hunger for that was was that significant. Just the validation of like, guys, what you're telling, like what you're describing in the book. I mean, like that's like my day to day. Like you just described my current state. You just described the headaches that I have. Um, and I think because of that, it just cracks that door open and it gets those guys and gals so interested to, to, to thirst for more and to, to want to try to, to solve their issues and to feel empowered to solve their issues. And to me, that's been probably like the biggest aha, but also at the same time, it's been the most rewarding thing because uh, it's just that validation and hearing that feedback that we are making people's lives better. We are allowing them to elevate up. Um, they still may be working a lot. You know, lean isn't a, a silver bullet that's, you know, you're magically only going to work 40 hours now because you're running lean and, and last planner system. But you're going to stop being reactive. You're going to stop putting out, like just chasing around the job site all day long, putting out fires. And the work that you are going to be doing is going to be more meaningful. You're going to be elevating up. You're going to be looking for constraints before they come in and they torpedo you. Uh, you're going to be able to plan and to sequence and to phase and to actually provide a reliable workflow to your project and provide flow. And that work is so much more meaningful and enjoyable 
And in turn, your mental health is going to be better. You're going to be getting home earlier. It's just going to be a more enjoyable situation. And to me, that's been that's been the biggest aha. Thank you so much, guys. I, I love both of those. Oh, you know, let's talk about CPM. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, buckle up. Hope you got another hour. All right, critic. I'm going to flex it right now. Critical path method scheduling. It's a World War One technology developed by Henry Gant back in the late early 1900s, late 1800s. From all what I can see, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, it's never worked in construction. This is an interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> what I mean, it's never worked. I mean, yeah. for something to work, yeah. it should deliver what it promises. Yeah. yeah. And that's one when, when it doesn't deliver. And we're, and if, if you have to go through heroics and acrobatics and superhuman things to make that thing work, it sure. doesn't work. That's well, what I'm saying. You, this is where I'll start. And I don't know that I'll get too, too deep, but this is where I'll start Two It's two things, two things, right? So number one is like, for me, I feel like me and Joe are in the business of like, con we're converting people to lean and in our journey with it, that's not necessarily a topic that I want to engage with in that it's kind of, it's the standard in a lot of ways it's contractual. There, there'd be so much undoing in the way that getting people to think in a totally different mindset, that that's not a fight that I ever want to get into. I, I perfectly like to teach in the way that like in chapter six, where your pull plan session gets implemented back into your master schedule. If you built in some time, that time is team float. If you're going over, you look for a different way to re-pull. Otherwise, you're looking for an opportunity to, to pull back in a different, a different milestone. But in my experience, trying to have that conversation is part of the way that I, I would teach the system. Like I'm turning way too many people off and I don't want to have it. Now, on the flip side of that, yeah. no trade partner foreman is walking around the job with the Gantt schedule making like that's not how they put work into place okay and so like i've been in many debate joe knows like even just yesterday many debate of like when the people want to go really hard on me on the gantt i'm like listen hey record keeping tracking making sure that the project's on on path at a high level a macro level absolutely but if you think you issuing, you know, a 20 page schedule to the field is how they're actually building the job. Like mm -hmm. you're out of your mind. Number two, like I challenge anybody, <laughs> even in the best, like Jesse, when you were a foreman in the field, and I'm yep. the superintendent. If I come to you and say, hey, do you know the date that your plumbing in wall is due? I'm not going to lie. Nine out times out of 10, they don't. As a foreman, they don't, they don't, they, they got the men that they need. They got the materials and they're pushing, pushing as hard as they can to get done. Like there's no necessary, I mean, and yeah, the superintendent's talking dates, but I could go walk any job site, ask the concrete, hey, do you know when your, do you know the date your foundation is supposed to be? They don't. Try it. They don't. 90% of them don't. And so going back to that, to me, they should. That should be something that's talked yes. about. 
when we talk about weekly work planning. Those, those mini milestones, those dates, everybody needs to feel that scoreboard, that pressure, we're a team, we gotta get through the next phase. And so you're never gonna hear me argue, Felipe, around implementing last planner versus Gantt and this and that and actually how things get built in the field. Where I won't go is that, hey, if you wanna use your Gantt schedule to make sure that your critical path shows if you're on track or not, and you're, you're looking at a high macro level throughout your job, and that's what you have to update as part of your agreement, like, hey, you're not gonna hear me like try to convince you differently in an effort to that's what turns you off to implementing lean. So I hope that's not a, a BS answer for you. But that's not a BS answer. You started with the BS answer, no. but then you saved yourself. So thank God. Yeah. Thank God. I was getting worried that I was going to have to cut all of that answer out. And now it actually gets to stay in the final, the final cut. I'll tell <laughs> so, you, you talk to a lot of people in our industry. That's a very uh, touchy subject. And yeah, I've seen a lot of people that um, if they feel like that's what lean or last planner is about. You just turn them right off. And I've I, done, just, uh, I, I I've just done... don't think that's a conversation that we need to have right now. I think, the conversation we need to have is around building culture, getting more value back in our day, implementing some of these things that are easy to do, that get more value, that get people thinking in a different way. And then as that as that needle starts to push and things start to shift, hey, have at it. I, I agree and somewhat disagree. So I, I myself, Keon, I talked to a lot of people in the industry and I've been on academic research committee efforts to, be, to come to just telling the industry what are the different type of collaborative scheduling methodologies we use. And in that research funded by CI and included people that make a living just doing product, uh, product project controls or uh, scheduling. And we even had people that have written books on CPM scheduling. And we have people that advise large companies, large software companies that make a full-time living delivering CPM scheduling software to the industry that's used everywhere on planet earth. And we did have some of those tough conversations and, and Keon, I think those conversations are worth having, but I agree with you that that's not going to get people convinced. And I think, I think we all agree, like from the builder's perspective, and the same is true for people in support functions and also in executives, like at the end of the day, we need to build something. And so we can have, we can have some healthy debate and dialogue on what works and what doesn't. And I want the people that make their living doing those things in support to, I'm not trying to eliminate your job. I'm not. It definitely there are it has its place and like you said some of these things are contractual and standard but what i don't want to do is to get over reliant on things that that don't really function in a way that benefits the people trying to put the work in place i want to always support the people building it and the reason i do that is because the clients that we build for need these things that's the whole reason that we're even coming together is because there's a need and the need is not so that Joe can just build like his 55th hospital. The need is because that hospital is going to treat people that need care and to need to come back to health. You know, in the case of Joe, cause he does a lot of hospitals. And so that's, that's where I'm coming at it. Keon. Yeah, like, 
Well, I'll say this, Felipe. I mean, that's why we need people like you in our industry. I mean, continuing to push the needle and to already be thinking that far ahead to have these kind of conversations and to be doing this kind of research. And so, again, you know, any, you know, I, you're not going to hear me disagree with that. You know, I think we do need people like you that are trying to push the next phase of what this could be. Um, so I do not hear me argue with that. Yeah. And I've had, uh, and Jesse has witnessed it on LinkedIn. People have come after me on the CPM <laughs> debate and on the, on scrum as well. Cause that gets a lot of scrum gets a lot of whiplash too, because it's also a pull framework, very similar to LPS. And I'll go back and forth with people respectfully, and I'll even have to call people on the phone. I've had, I've had conversations with people that some of my friends have blocked from posting on LinkedIn <laughs> and I've given them my cell phone and we've had like a 10 minute or a half hour conversation. And at the end of it, Keon, we both understand each other better. And I've made yeah. so many more friends that way. Then I don't tell people like what they're doing is wrong. And in, in our company, when we developed our LPS, we brought on some chief schedulers from around the organization and some other scheduling managers to make sure that this was something that works with how they're working now. So we're not jumping, like to go back to what you said about Steve Harvey, like we're going to jump, but we're not going to jump so far that we fall down and die. Yeah. We're going to jump <laughs> and still make some progress. So yeah. what do you say to CPM Joe? Cause you probably F nine, at least a couple times a day. I mean, high level, I, I agree. And, and, and take the stance of, you know, where, where Keon was headed. I, there was something that y'all said on your last podcast. I think it was Jesse that was like uh, CPM and last planner system were like the parents who got a divorce and they've been separated for five years and now everyone's trying to get them <laughs> back together. I, I, I chuckled. I chuckled at that one. To me, they both have their place and they both serve their purpose. If anything, if, if I see them, like if I vis when I visually try to see them, I see them working in parallel. They're not, they're not something that works like this in unison. They are two independent tools that are doing two different functions, yes. serving two different functions. To me, when that information, you, you got to capture that information from the pool. And to Keon's point, the easiest way to do that is uh, tying that back and putting it in, into your CPO. Or at least that's one way to do it. And that's one way that we, we talk about it. But Felipe, to your point, that's not the one, to me, that's not the one for one going through the schedule, making sure that it all ties back. To me, that's flipping in a hammock or throwing in there under that milestone. Hey, here's the milestone. Here's what was in the CPM. But here's like the validated plan that we just did from the pool plan. And we're just bringing it back in here so we don't lose that great information coordination, collaboration, handoff, make ready constraints that we just all figured out over the last two and a half hours. So it has a place to live. Like that's the biggest waste around pool planning, right? Like you do this awesome pool plan and then it's like, crap, what do we do? Like, what do we do with all this great information? Cause then it's like waste. Cause then you got to go back and try to find a place for that to live. Um, Unless you're using some type of like touch plan or refine my site or like a software that's capturing for that for that in, in real time. So high level, they don't integrate fully. They are they are two different tools that work in unison, that support each other, that run in parallel. 
but you can't really compare. You, they can't be fully integrated. They each so it's like Jesse said, things. it's like a divorced parents, but it was a mutual <laughs> separation. And <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of like, yeah, that, 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 that was a pretty good way of saying that. It's yeah. good with me. I remembered it. Like as soon as I was like, man, that's okay. And, they, and they I keep I, it cool I, for it, the kids. This to me, this is really good lean nerd guru talk, right? Let's just think about how, how a schedule actually works, right? In my role, if I'm going after a project, either the client's telling me how many months the job is and the RFP that comes out in the first place, <laughs> or, you know, if it's something, if we ever have to go after a bid, which we don't do a lot of, but if we do, the drawings come out, we get them out, probably some guy in my role builds the schedule in, you know, a couple hours based on the drawings we get. We probably kick that to the trade partners with a week left before their bids do. <laughs> and, you know, then the superintendent takes it and says, oh, the ops guy made it. I get this must be the schedule for the job. And he's pushing my beautiful schedule where everything starts on Monday and ends on Friday and they're building with. It. <laughs> OK, and I'm, and I'm being facetious here. But how did the trades actually plan their work? Well, number one, they build in the amount of man hours they think it's going to take to do the job. So if they think it's going to take 10,000 man hours and it takes eight, well, guess what? They make more money. If it takes 12, they lose money. So I rather debate in conversations around, do you really think your trade partners are trying to hold you up? Or do you really think that they're, you know, intentionally not wanting to make money? No, they want to beat the man hours they have. And I like to have the conversations around like, okay, in a pool plan, if somebody's sandbagging on time, like ask them to see if their estimator will print out how many man hours they have in the job. They may actually look at the durations that they give you in the pool plan. And so there's so much other conversation in regards to how to get last planner system to actually work right and how to have these conversations and the dysfunction of how we even schedule in our industry in the first place that, uh, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of room for boots on the ground to have these kind of conversations to teach in that way and then have a certain portion of the leaders, lean leaders in our industry trying to push the needle of what it should be. And so I feel like this conversation is a good complement of, of two different scenarios. When it comes to the conversation about CPM and last planner system, when people start that conversation around me, I'm like, I'm out. Like we are so far away from having to worry about that shit. Like we got a culture respect problem that, in our industry, period. Like yeah. let's yeah. focus that's there the and then we can jerk around with the damn keyboard. Yeah. Like, we got bigger. Yeah. Well, we got and bigger Jesse, like, I, you know, I, and we went back and forth. Like, should we, we use the word trade partner. I haven't used the word subcontractor in years. We're using the word trade partner. But in the beginning of the book, it's like, all right, if we start calling them trade partners in chapter one, like half yeah. the supers are going to be like, I don't even know what the hell we're talking about. That's our audience. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so like, yep. we intentionally tried to trigger without turning you off completely. We had to play yep. certain things safe and then certain things, you know, I mean, it was intentional when Sam's like my schedule, like that's, that's very, yeah. intentional. there was so much of that. And I, and yeah. it was, 
I've been a part of a lot of book clubs, me and Joe, and different companies that have read the book, have asked us to come spend some time, and even in our own firms. But it's interesting. Like, I've never seen anybody go, like, pick up on the nuance that deep, and I'm glad. Like, I think that conversation needed to be had because there was just a lot of that that was intentional. Like, you know, when Sam, in one of the chapters when, like, Sam, he stayed up too late watching the game. He procrastinated on building the crib for their new baby. His PM happened to be on vacation that week. He forgot his phone. Like, that's a real person's day sometimes in our business. <laughs> and then yep. for him to have the compiling issues of the firefighting that was going on with all the, like, that's what happens. Like, that's just the way it is. And people are human, and the way they react is going to be human, especially on a job site. And uh, so it's good that you felt that way. Like that was the intent. Yeah, my favorite part when Jesse Jesse got triggered is when they were going to write a letter to their office or call their office, and he's like, "Well, you better CC my mom on the email." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, right. it's funny. Like, I think I remember like me and Joe. Like, I mean, we sat so long, so many, just typing and laughing and writing, and like, I just remember. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I remember being like, oh, yeah, and tell him he's going to like cop, you know, they're going to put him in default or something like we had that conversation because that's the conversations we have, you know, that's how a general contractor yeah. thinks. To us, it was so important for Alan to be the character dropping the knowledge onto Sam, who was the younger demographic, um, because I think that's another significant challenge that we're facing in our industry today because we're at a really kind of weird pivotal time where we've had all these amazing leaders. Um, I don't even like saying the term old school because it's, it's, it's those leaders and the wisdom and the understanding and, and, and what they have have made them unbelievable, amazing builders, but the game's changed. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. them that's changed. It's the current state of this freaking industry. Like it's, it's the design, it's the skilled trades. And, and the, the lack of, it's just the, the trades in general, it's the communication styles, it's the, the trade partners and, and just the, you guys having to manage this skill labor and just not having the time to plan and, and get into the weeds. And most of the time you're ripped off of one job and thrown onto another and you don't know what's going on. And, um, you know, because of that, it's made, it's just tough for what I, I feel like a, a younger, um, less inexperienced uh, either a project engineer, APM, superintendent, to like bring these ideas and topics up um, to some of these more senior leaders who are like, why, why do we need to change what we're doing here? Because what I've been doing has been working. I've been with my company 30 years, made my, my owner a bunch of money. Um, the, the client asked for me by name, like what I'm doing is not broken. And, and we just felt it was important to show Alan being the one dropping that knowledge to not alienate yeah. Um, that specific demographic and bring them into the story and have them engaged into the discussion and just get them there in the, in the first place. Cause it is something as an industry, um, we got some work cut out for us and it's going to be a hurdle that we're going to be trying to manage yeah. for a long yeah, time. Yeah. It couldn't just be some hotshot young superintendent trying to school everybody on how to do this. Like no one would have, I mean, I'm not saying that's not what happens in a lot of companies, you know, it's usually a younger Somebody trying some that hadn't been burnt so many times, that hadn't been so dated, that's trying to do something new. But like that's not fully our audience. Our audience is to try to help those folks 
And that's what, yeah, like Joe said, man, Sam had to be the junior guy. Alan, the sensei, had to be the older guy, and he had to drop the knowledge in a way that, like, you don't even – he's just not spoon-feeding it. Like, Sam had to, had to learn it. If you can get one of those trade or field leaders from your firm, if you're a GC, one of those superintendents with some gray in their beard, with some knowledge, with some wisdom, who traditionally you might consider that old-school guy, and you can have one of those leaders be your lean champion – Watch out. Oh, yeah. Because the sky's going to be the limit because you're going to see the momentum and the dynamic change within your firm. If you can get those type of leaders bought in and they're the ones carrying the torch that have that seniority and have that um, just that charisma and dynamic that everyone else is going to follow and get behind, it's going to be a game changer for your firm. So don't just think of pushing those guys out. Like you need to bring those guys in. Like those are going to be the guys that are going to take you to the next level still. One of our senior, our senior superintendent, Buddy Brumley, uh, has got some posts in there, and he's a guy in uh, that's a more seasoned guy in our industry. And man, when the light bulb came off for him, and he became our champion, I mean, it helped us scale so much. And so, yeah, like Joe said, you really got to find your champions within your firm. Even if you're in a small firm of just six superintendents, or if you're in a big company with over 200 superintendents, that is true. Your influencers are the, sometimes the older, more seasoned people. And sometimes they they could be in the middle as well. And and there are there are a couple examples of some young hotshot superstars, but the industry has so much momentum and habits baked in. I was talking to a PE this week, and he said like, I actually learned last planner system in college, and then I came to work in the industry, and I couldn't talk about it. And he said it wasn't. <laughs> in, he's like three years went by, and. And the next thing I know is like you're sharing something and we're going through something and we're and he's like, I'd already done this before. And I was like, well, you didn't even speak up at that in that moment he's the, to say that you'd even had some experience. And I was like, that's what I'm fighting against. I'm fighting it where we can't even let those people speak up. I remember giving a presentation uh, at Texas A&M uh, just about lean. And this was probably before the book, but I was talking about a, a material delivery board like on our projects. We have a material delivery board, it tracks, you know, what's being delivered, when, what type of truck is it coming in, how is it going to come off the truck, all those kind of things. And I'm explaining this like as part of visual communication to this group of students. And when I when I give this presentation in industry, like people are like, yeah, that's a good idea. We used to do that in the past or tracking hook time. And like I see people like, ah, oh, that's great. We got to do that. And I see the light bulbs come on in the classroom setting, like blank faces. Finally, this kid raises his hand. He's like, Hey, I got, I started to ask. He's like, and don't take this the wrong way, but it really doesn't sound that like groundbreaking. He's like, why wouldn't you guys just have a material delivery board anyway? And like, I was like, you know, triggered. I was like, dude, you have been uh, jaded by the dysfunction in our industry. Like we don't have time to think about common sense. Like we're too busy chasing our ass. Like, and uh, so it's like, I share that story all the time. Cause it's so funny because it's like when you're firefighting all day long, yeah. dealing with issues, people issues, project issues, all that kind of stuff, we've become so conditioned to the dysfunction. We don't even know what's supposed to be there or not. And, um, you know, just, it's so funny, you know, you bring it up a kid coming out of school and saying, man, I learned this. And then this wasn't what I experienced when I got here and almost, he almost forgot about it or they wasn't. And I get it. I I get it. I see it. It is a very intense industry and you could be dropped in 
on a, a magical project headed to litigation, and you're going to have a completely different experience than someone going on a job where you've negotiated with the client and the client just loves you and they're naming, you know, they're, they're dropping Joe's name and they're, they're just negotiating the job directly based on yeah. relationship. Those are completely different things. Yeah, that's two sides of the spectrum. I wouldn't change anything in the book. The fact that it triggers so many people at so many different levels means you did it right. And I think the, oh, yeah. the lean blog where you're sharing stories from different voices in the industry is critically important. I even, I'll share something, had a young project engineer that doesn't even work uh, in our organization, contacted me through LinkedIn. And they said, I read this thing on the lean builder and I've heard you talking about this and we want to start doing this. What do I need to do? And so we just, I went to the same article that uh, someone had posted on your site and we just closed a couple of gaps and said, go do it and be patient with yourself. It's yeah. not going to be perfect the first time. A lot of people in our industry talk themselves out of trying something because it's not going to be exactly perfect. Yeah. I said, the best thing you can do. And when you stand up, if your superintendent's going to make you stand up and facilitate this, tell the tradespeople it's your first time and that you would appreciate them to help you. They will help you. Keon, Joe, both of you guys have sent us feedback about one of the episodes you listen and the dumb shit that comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. I didn't piss them off. Like, this is, it's, it's actually like pretty damn awesome to get feedback from you guys. Um, and having the, the impact and the fingerprint that y'all are going to leave in the industry. Yeah. Thank you guys. It's a two way street on our end as well. The platform you guys so we're, we're here for y'all as well and, and thank you yeah, no, likewise very humbling to hear that from both of you i think the two things that i would have in closing is you know one when, when joe and i wrote this book like i remember telling joe that i hope in like three to four years time there's like a handful of books written by true practitioners mm. or something that if anybody comes to us it's like here read this or listen to this and so what you guys are doing with your podcast, I can't even imagine the amount of time and effort that takes all in the effort to give back to the industry, man, keep up the good fight. This is what's needed. I've uh, never been more excited about the potential of what could be changing in our industry as I am right now. The second thing, and I just, I hate to keep the rumors going, but I can't confirm or deny that Alan Phillips was named after Felipe. So the, rumor, <laughs> the, rumor, the rumors are still out there. I can't confirm or deny that. No comment. No uh, I forgot all of oh my God, that. Kian. I can't believe you brought that up. That's so you just made my day, Kia. Thank you so much. <laughs> Very special thanks to my guests. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>